Welcome, everybody, to this special Facebook Live. I'm Kevin McDonald, executive producer at New Mexico PBS. And those of you watching now are watching on Facebook Live. And we will also have this up as a podcast edition for those of you subscribing to the Growing Forward podcast. We thank you for that support. Encourage all of you to sign up and subscribe for that wherever you get your podcast. But I am joined once again today by co-hosts of Growing Forward, that is Andy Lyman of the New Mexico Political Report, and Megan Kamrick, who is a correspondent here at New Mexico PBS. Also, she joins us from her other gig at KUNM, where she just got off the air. Welcome to you all. Also, Bryce Dix, a producer and um, also, and uh, editor of the podcast. Welcome to you all. Again, we are on day two of the special session. Uh, here in New Mexico, largely to deal with cannabis legalization. There's a bunch to dive into again, but let's start with what is happening currently in the roundhouse. So who wants to jump in on that? I was just, I, I, I have uh, the Senate uh, debate on mute right now, and um, I've got it on uh, subtitle, so I, I can see what's happening. And sort of the, the big, right as we went live, um, uh, Senator Jacob Candelaria was telling Senator Pirtle that he was going to vote for his bill. So they haven't voted on any Senate bills yet, or, or the legalization bills, I should say. Um, there's a Senate Bill 3, which is Cliff Pirtle's bill, and House Bill 2, which is uh, Representative Javier Martinez's bill. Um, Senator Pirtle's bill, sort of more of a free market approach. Uh, no plant limits is kind of the big thing on his, uh, whereas the House bill does have some provisions to limit production. And I think, uh, judging by what I'm kind of seeing now, it looks like uh, uh, Candelaria is, is sort of going with that sort of free market approach and saying that's why he's going to vote for Pirtle's bill. But that's yeah. really interesting because he was pretty adamant that he wanted the social justice issues in whatever was passed and Pirtle has not focused on that. Yes, I think that my, I, I can't speak for uh, Senator Candelaria. I actually haven't talked to him for a few days, but um, you know, I, I think <clears throat> I'm guessing that his mind was a little bit changed when they have the the expungement thing that actually did pass. Mm, right. So, sort of as we stand right now, uh, expungement is farther along in the process than any legalization proposal. Um, <clears throat> because I think that it was just passed. I think, Kevin, were you watching that? I think it just passed the House. Is that right? Yeah, it did. Um, but that brings up a question I've been wondering, Andy, maybe you know. So what you're saying is that uh, the expungements, which is um, Senate Bill 2, applies to either uh, House Bill 2 or Senate Bill 3, if either of them passes or both of them pass? Yeah, that's a good question. I would have to assume yes, because I don't think that the expungement bill references any specific legislation. Um, to my understanding, I think it just says uh, for any of these. So that's kind of an interesting thing, right? If legalization um, doesn't pass uh, for whatever reason, hypothetically, I, I don't know what the expungement bill would do. I think it's saying... Um, if it passes and we, we legalize it, then any other, you know, it's, it's, it is kind of confusing when they split it out like that. But I, I guess to, to, to better answer your question, Kevin, I would assume that it would be applied to either one of those bills. And Andy, uh, just for the people who don't know, can you tell which bill might be the forerunner and which one might not be in the running? Uh, well, it seems like the House bill is probably the favorite, considering that there's a Democratic majority um, generally, most of the Democrats in the House and the Senate are, are going to, you know, support the governor on what she wants, and she sort of sent the message that this is the bill that she likes. I should say House Bill Two. Um, it has some of those production controls that I think she's looking for. 
Um, it has the right tax rate I think she's looking for. Um, it doesn't have a lot of the earmarks and I'm not sure where she stands on those other things. I should say Senator Pirtle's bill also has earmark that goes uh, specifically to law enforcement, which I think rubs some people the wrong way. It's sort of the question of why are we gonna <clears throat> give more money to law enforcement when we're actually taking uh, some of their duties away that they don't have to worry about, you know, simple possession charges. Well, and that's something that Javier was doing different, right, with his bill, because they were talking about before in the regular session earmarking for a rural equity fund. And they're, they were talking about, well, we shouldn't put money uh, aside if the bill hasn't passed yet. So we should address this in the next 30 day session. So uh, do you think that might be a, a play of why people might not like the bill either? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you're talking why they don't like uh, Representative Martinez's bill? Uh, no, but why? Because as you said, people are, he, um, Senator Pertle. Just real quick too, so we don't confuse people. When we say Senator, Representative Martinez's bill, that's House Bill 2. House Bill 2, yes. Yeah. Yes. Maybe I'll refer to the, the bill numbers and that will be less confusing. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. I think what my question was, was um, because... Senator Pirtle is earmarking for law enforcement and Javier made the decision not to make earmarks for different funds for his bill. Do you think that's a, a play in how people might want to vote for his bill rather than uh, Senator Pirtle's bill? Yeah, it could have a lot to do with it. Um, you know, the other thing that I just sort of glossed over and I apologize to everybody is um, the sort of um, the equity parts of it. So it's not necessarily a social justice thing. It kind of is, right? It's sort of saying we're going to give uh, a, a tiered license structure so that we have these micro licenses that are easier to get into, easier to enter in the market. Um, and they're also selling the plant limit as sort of a, a, um, a that's something to even out the playing field as well. So they're saying, well, look, if we can keep everybody to the same limit, maybe it'll give the, the smaller groups or the smaller companies a chance to build up to that and sort of, uh, you know, essentially keep down the, uh, the, the larger companies who maybe could grow four or 5,000 plants tomorrow um, and say, let's give somebody, because the, the plant counts also, I think we mentioned this yesterday, um, would be phased out by 2025. So, Which, uh, speaking yeah. of that, uh, getting into the business, there was a bit of drama as the Senate <laughs> debated this. We have had an amendment already passed. Uh, it was uh, it was introduced by Senator Stuart Ingle, and it basically forbid lawmakers from getting into the business for I think five or six, maybe not. It, uh, 2026, maybe. Does anybody remember what the year was? 2026. 2026. Yeah. yeah, that clearly threw some folks like Representative Martinez for a loop. They were not expecting that, um, and yeah, some of them wanted to explain their vote um again saying this is a citizen legislature so everybody pretty much has other jobs besides being a lawmaker and um warning this could set a precedent for other kinds of businesses but um yes that was very interesting <laughs> yeah and the point senator candelaria made too was it might infringe on people's rights to again going back to that citizen-led legislature so, he got that it, answered later by the expert witness that his home grow would not be yes. impacted. By no, yeah, so, so he would not personally be impacted, but I think what Bryce was saying is he was saying in general um, that it would infringe on uh, the, the constitutional rights of lawmakers because they are unpaid, they're, they're volunteers, so it's kind of saying 
you're limiting the scope of where you can go get a job. I think what a lot of people said was, uh, we understand where you're coming with this or where you're coming from with this because nobody wants to hear that uh, somebody voting on legislation or, and let me back up there. The tone I think started it all off. Uh, it was Senator uh, Mark Moore's um, sort of in a, in, in sort of almost an accusatory tone um, asked, you know, if any of the sponsors were, uh, had any interest or potential interest in this new industry. And I think they all sort of took a, a little bit of offense to it because I mean, I think they probably are thinking we, we wouldn't be doing this if uh, we were gonna have some interest in there. Um, and then of course, uh, Senator Katie Duhigg said, um, well, let's ask Senator Pirtle if he's got any uh, interest. And that set off another thing and sort of tensions, you know, tensions are always high in these things, lack of sleep. Some people were, were you know, debating until 1.30 in the morning this morning, and then they were right back to the house at 10 o'clock. And so, Well, and, and, you know, we should point out that there, there is, it is a citizen legislature. We understand that, but there also are precedents for, lawmakers abusing their power in situations like this. And that was the argument behind uh, the amendment. But it also did put sort of a little bit of pressure to say, you know, you say this supporters, Javier, the sponsors, that this isn't about economic development. It really is about equity and social justice and righting the wrongs of the war on drugs. So why would you have a problem with this? Yes, I, I think that, and that was the sense that I got from everybody. And, and even Representative Martinez said, um, he, he called it an unfriendly amendment, not because he didn't agree with the sentiment behind it, but just sort of the way it was put forward as, as, as sort of out of nowhere. And just, it doesn't, it sounds like there wasn't any conversation about it going, uh, leading up to it. So I think it sort of took everyone by surprise. And it did, I think some of them took offense because it felt like they were being accused of, of something. Um, and then Kevin, to your point, everyone, not everyone, some people might remember uh, Senator Phil Griego, who was in, uh, got in a lot of hot water, which led to uh, criminal charges. And he was in prison for a while um, over similar situations where he, he benefited from uh, something he voted on. And it did pass in the end. So that will be, it will be part of it uh, for sure. So yeah, as we mentioned, and we talked about this some yesterday, expungement out a little bit ahead of the actual Cannabis Regulation Act at this point, which creates a strange situation. We also talked about the feed bill and other appropriations bill, which is House Bill 1. It has passed all the way through and has money to run a cannabis program, a legal program, if uh, the Cannabis Regulation Act uh, goes through. So a bit of a cart before the horse in, in some ways, but that's just the way things are kind of moving now. Um, Andy, I'm sort of curious back to the two competing bills. I mean, there's several ways this could play out, right? I mean, you, you could see both bills go down. You could see bi both bills go through. Any chance at all you think that uh, they've tried this back to the regular session. We were in the same boat in the regular session. And the idea was why we ended up with so little time was they were trying to get everybody to be able to come to a one compromise bill that doesn't hasn't seemed to be possible but do you think there's still that or would that just bog thing down things down so much that we couldn't get anything done yeah i i don't know that we're at the point where it would bog things down too much i think we spoke yesterday that the feed bill covers five days of course people don't necessarily want to be there for the full five days but as it stands right now, um, you know, I, I don't know where the votes are, if they have the votes for House Bill 
2, which is the Democratic-backed bill and sort of the favorite of the governors. Um, but if, if for some reason they don't have the votes, uh, you know, I, I think there's a potential or, or I mean, not even potential, theoretically, they could switch over to uh, the Senate Republican bill and sort of use that as a backup. It's, it's clearly not the, the one that uh, most Democratic, Democratic lawmakers want. Um, but I, I guess it's sort of a backup. But I, I think uh, mostly the strategy seems to be let's just get this House bill done and through. Um, of, of course, it's getting bogged down with debate. Um, but we haven't seen a ton of amendments like we saw, you know, uh, we, we, we heard um, Senator Joe Cervantes talk for a while today, but he and he mentioned a lot of criticism about the bill, but he didn't really offer any amendments. He didn't say, you know, this is what you should change. Um, let's change. It. He actually kind of said sort of cynically um, that he doesn't have any illusions that uh, they're here to um, actually do any make any good changes to it, essentially. I think I also just to keep in mind, I said last night, remember that a lot of states have done this through referendum, through a ballot initiative, and that's not really a structure we have here. And so it does seem like this is long, complicated, lots of debate, but I was just looking on, you know, just this past Sunday, Colorado, which did do it that way, they keep other states keep going back and tweaking things. So they just, uh, Governor Polis just signed a bill to create like social equity licenses. And this is after legalization. So it's kind of important. It's one thing that's interesting about New Mexico is they're trying to address so many things in this one bill. And other states haven't had to necessarily do that, but it doesn't mean they're now going back and trying to change things. So we're kind of this odd mix here. So Representative Martinez has said like, I'm gonna come in, if we don't get this, this, and this, I'm coming back next session to get this in. So it does seem sort of like a, a good and bad situation, right, Megan, that um, we, we do have a chance to address all these things that people have doing been doing piecemeal. Um, but, but there's also the negative side of that where we're just doing it all at once and just a fire hose of, of information to these lawmakers. Yeah, just everything today has been from like, how is this gonna affect children? I mean, at one point, some debate centered, it made it sound like there's gonna be like a major marketing push for children to use cannabis at some point this morning. <laughs> everything from that to like continuing to bring up things about what about rural New Mexico? What about the small farmer with the asakia? We kept hearing this this person of the small farmer with the asakia. Like, so um, yeah, everybody just wants a lot out of this. Yeah. And Andy, I'm think I'm really curious because we're, it does sound like we're going to be looking forward to the next session as Javier kept on mentioning about the rural equity fund. That was the big one that I was looking for and seeing how we get these people who might not have the capital to be involved in this business, finally having setting aside this money through through uh, the system so they can finally get on on it. But, and we have talked about equity a lot on our podcast. And do you think that we're going to get this equity that's being touted in the next session? Cause sometimes things can fall through. Right. And, and uh, that might be a little concerning for the people out in rural New Mexico who were like, Oh, we're not getting this right now. So maybe we might not get it in the future. Yeah. I think some of what um, like the, the folks from the Asaki association that we, we spoke with, I think they're getting some of, and what I've heard from, from some folks uh, associated with that group is, um, that they're sort of happy with what they got. They're, they're not ecstatic. Um, and and to, to go back to your question, I think that I, I'm, I'm confident that Representative Martinez will uh, 
follow through with it because that's kind of his his mo um there's a whole nother question on whether um number one uh you kind of have a limited session next year um it depends on what's on the call uh, what the governor decides to put on there but you know i, I think just I real think quick andy to yeah. not to interrupt but we should also keep in mind we know for a fact Lawmakers are going to have to come back this fall for redistricting. Mm. So that's also yeah. an opportunity to to work on some of this stuff. And the redistricting one is sort of by nature a little bit longer. I think they're going to have to plan for a little bit longer of a session because they really have to, you know, kind of dive into these districts. And then you, there's a whole process now where they're they're going to get recommendations and then they, you know, sort of uh, they can decide whether they go with those recommendations or take it to court and all this other stuff. So um, it's, it's going to be a longer one. That could be an opportunity, but even then in a special session, the governor has to say, this is something that I, I approve you guys to talk about. So it uh, feels like it, it is this, uh, you know, you guys touched on it, but it feels like this, um, dichotomy that's going on here in terms of, because we're trying to get everything in that it has to be perfect yet. I think the pragmatic in all of us recognizes that when you're building something brand new in a state, it's not going to be perfect. And so there's this where the rubber meets the road thing that's back and forth that can be painted in terms of we need to start and see what happens and then we can address it. We've seen that in all kinds of examples where opponents are using that as an opportunity to say, clearly this thing isn't ready for prime time, even still. Well, who was uh, someone was mentioning in the debate for House Bill Two that it wasn't ready? Was that Cervantes? Probably, he's mentioned that before. Um, okay, and, and he did sort of bring that up again. He went through his list of his laundry list of things that he wanted to, to have fixed. I do just real quick. I want to give a shout out to uh, Marshall Martinez with Equality New Mexico. He has been speaking out on this in, in public comment and. His, his phrase just kind of keeps uh, getting stuck in my brain where he says, uh, he, he says, don't let, uh, I think he said, don't let perfect be, be the enemy of good. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And he said that over and over again. And I think that's where some of these people are coming from is like, and that's where some of this, this sort of contention comes in is you've got some people saying, let's just get this through. It's not perfect, but at least we've got something we can move forward. And then you've got the other side saying, we've heard this before, right? We've heard we've heard we'll fix it later and sometimes it never gets fixed and um you know i, I kind of wonder the same thing about some of those the, the the tax provision that changes over uh the number of years or plant counts it's it's like we we hear it now but there's a lot of stuff that can change between now and, and those sort of trigger dates um so. yeah but it seems like there is a conscious effort to be aware of that still because none of those things are permanent, the, the excise tax change doesn't happen for a few years, so they can sort of see how things go. Uh, and so they're, they're trying phase-ins or sunsets on, on things. Uh, it just feels like one of these things that I don't know how you can predict how the black market's going to respond or any of these things until it's actually in place. And that's what the, the proponents keep saying is that, uh, you know, somebody, I forget who it was, tried to position it with the Javier Martinez is why is this here when it's not perfect? And he was saying, it's not, again, it's not about perfect. It's about, of course, I'm not so uh, egotistical to say that this thing is in stone for life. Uh, we have to adjust to these things, but we won't even know what to adjust to until we have something. Um, I, real quick, before I forget, I wanted to mention sort of the other 
I wouldn't call it drama, but it's definitely something that will probably get us on national news is that Senator Candelaria right out, right out of the gate um, in debate on House Bill 2 stood up and, and started talking about his experience as a medical cannabis patient and held up a little uh, cartridge full of cannabis extract and said, this is one gram of cannabis extract and um, I'm gonna smoke it as soon as we're done with this. Um, I'm gonna smoke the whole thing. Yeah, probably. it's really good. <laughs> they have a bit of like, not quite the same, but like the Colin Powell movement <laughs> with the anthrax. Well, I, when he held it up, I had a flashback to being in elementary school where they show, you know, they have like the, like the, the drug officer will come in with like a, a briefcase full of little vials of all the different drugs so you can see what they look like. Um, but I just thought it was interesting. I think it's, it's got to be the first time in New Mexico history where a lawmaker stood on the floor with a, a federally illicit substance and just held it up in front of everyone. Point. Oh, I also should maybe catch people up because I've lost track of it throughout the day of the other uh, bill that um, Representative Reem put forward. Yes, I lost track of the, the, the DUI bill. I, I yeah. lost track of that. I think um, I didn't double check, but I looked at the meeting only lasted about 20 minutes. Um, so I have to assume that it, it, it I, I think they were just determining to see if it was, it was germane. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It was in, it was in rules. So, um, yeah, I haven't seen anything else on that either. Uh, but we should also mention there is the non-cannabis related in here too, just real quickly. That's the LIDA changes for, uh, economic development and taking some of the gross receipts taxes and carving that out too incentivize folks like Netflix and Facebook and Amazon that we've seen come here. Um, that's cooking right along. Uh, I believe that it is um, going to be the first thing that the house takes up uh, when they come back, which they may already be. Uh, 7.15 was the target time for them after dinner. Uh, and I think that would be the last step for it. Well, I thought was interesting is clearly Senator Cervantes, speaking of economic development, um, this is, he's been one of the more vocal opponents about legalization or asking the most questions. And he said, that he, I don't know where he is or where his office, where his firm has other offices, but he said he's not in New Mexico, he's on Zoom. But he noted that all our neighbors around us are booming, the Southwest is booming and New Mexico is not, which I thought was interesting considering in addition to the equity provisions, many people are, and the governor is arguing, this is a way to diversify the economy. And um, so I'm not sure where he was going with that, except he thought this would have a detrimental effect and we would not boom, even though Colorado and Arizona have legalized, so. Without trying to you know, assign uh, meaning to what he said too much, because I, I haven't spoken with him, but I kind of got the impression that he was trying to say, we need to get our house in order before we mm. put something else in here. Because he also mentioned DWI rates. Um, he mentioned some uh, deaths that just happened, I think, in the past couple of days. Yeah, which was tragic and horrible. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he said, you know, we, we, we had to figure out some of these things before we start bringing in this other stuff. And I think he's a little cynical on this idea that that is going to spark our economy. Mm. Oh, oh, I just I just did a bingo word. Um, that, uh, <laughs> I did not mean to do that. Um, but no, I, I think uh, that's his his thing is, you know, that mm -hmm. this isn't necessarily going to be a good boost to the economy. It's going to be a boost to these, uh, you know, few um, mega producers that, that are, you know, are already set to make a bunch of money. And I think he's just a little bit dubious on whether they're, whether that the state's going to actually get that money. Right. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, and I, I guess this is cliched, but you cover the legislature a lot more than I do, but I'm always struck when I listen to these long debates that regardless of where people are coming from, in general, their, in, their intentions are to make New Mexico better. And they might have completely different paths towards that goal, but they all have that goal. Yeah, and we can obviously see that with uh, Senator Pirtle and, uh, and Javier Martinez kind of clashing while uh, Senator Pirtle was filibustering his bill that we forgot to mention. So, uh, and Andy, what, what, uh, what page did he make it to again when he was... I want to say 40-something, 40, 40 uh, maybe. Somewhere, I mean, it was... It's around an hour, long. right? Somewhere yeah, around long. there. It was a long time. It kind of checked out for me. But, um, Andy, was- I actually had a question for you, too. Um, this morning, you tweeted something about uh, language from the bill from the regular session that just happened um, that snuck into the bill this time that would essentially limit medical cannabis reciprocity. Uh, Can you kind of talk about that? I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't know if I didn't hear it in any of the debates actually. So yeah, I think that was probably on purpose. Um, Yeah. uh, It's a little bit of a controversial topic and it actually ties into Senator Candelaria a little bit and his capacity as a lawyer for cannabis producer ultra health, controversial. Uh, and we, I think we've talked to Duke for the, the podcast before Duke Rodriguez, the, the president and CEO um, and, and Senator Candelaria and his day job is a lawyer and he works for uh, or represents ultra health. He's not, you know, uh, he doesn't work for the company, but um, yeah. So basically uh, when reciprocity went into place in 2019, they said we have to put some rules in place The rules uh, didn't get promulgated until last summer. Um, And essentially what happened almost right away was people figured out that they could, um, people from El Paso, particularly, I guess most of this West Texas, they were, they figured out you could go online and do a telemedicine meeting with a doctor in California where they have very lax rules about uh, getting a, a certification. Uh, the doctor would mail you your certification. It wasn't necessarily an official California card. It was just a doctor's recommendation because that's what the law says. That's what the rule said is you just have to have a doctor's recommendation. And I think they did that specifically because there's many states that you don't get a card. California is one of them, I think. Um, so what, when the state realized that happened, they tried to do an emergency uh, rule change saying, basically exempting those people from, from reciprocity. So I think the wording they tried to use was, you, you have to get a state issued card um, and not just from a doctor. They also said you can't be a New Mexico resident to be a reciprocal patient. That was another loophole that people found was, and actually Senator Candelaria said he did that himself in addition to becoming a patient here. Um, you know, you, you do the same thing, talk to a doctor in California, come back to New Mexico and, and walk in. And so that's, that's for people that maybe don't have one of the 28 qualifying conditions. Um, so the battle between ultra health and the state have been has been ongoing, and they uh, they went to court. The judge ruled that that emergency rule order they did was was not right. They could do a regular rule change, but the emergency one was was no good. Um, and so it was just kind of this back and forth battle trying to figure out how to do this stuff. So in the regular session, they tried to pass a, just a standalone bill. Instead of doing the rule change, they thought let's put this into statute. Um, so it was Senator uh, Jerry Ortiz Pino sponsored it with the backing of the Department of Health. Um, that didn't make it; it kind of stalled in the House at the, on the last day. Um, 
but they did put the language into House Bill 12 in the regular session too. So I was not surprised to see it in House Bill 2. I just um, wanted to let you guys, it's uh, apparently HB2 has passed committee as a whole and is now moving to the full Senate. Oh. So. All right, well, we're on our way. Yeah. Um, Long so, night. Can so, you explain that, Andy? Yeah. I thought in this particular situation, the committee of the whole was the full Senate, basically. Yep, you're muted. <laughs> you're muted, Andy. There you go. For, for uh, visual purposes, yes, that's what it looks like, but uh, it's just more of a technicality where uh, they're saying everybody comes in as one big committee. So for, for this, probably the easiest way to explain it is this committee is called the Senate, right? Um, so you have basically committee rules. You don't have to, um, well, I, I, there were some questions on whether they had to, you know, ask to. Um, also, Cliff Pirtle's bill has failed on a six to 36 vote. So. It sounds like a perfect time for us to do this. <laughs> uh, so. So, but again, it requires two votes that that vote of the committee yeah, so, of the whole and then the Senate. Yes. And so I, I don't know if they're going to go through debate again. It, it sounds like they are. So, so wait, this, how long will that go for though, Andy? Because it could go, I mean, this maybe was where, where Senator Pirtle is going to come with those amendments. We saw some stacks. Oh, and then filibuster a little bit more. Okay. And there's no time limit on the Senate floor. Um, so yep. yes, yeah, so I, I think the purpose of the, the, the committee of a whole was to give everybody an opportunity to kind of weigh in on this In a regular committee process, you would only have the committee members there and you, you see that a lot. They come back to the floor and then somebody's like, I wasn't in that committee. I don't know what happened. And they asked some of the same questions. Um, it's just interesting because they did them both there. Although house bill two had already been through a couple committees. Yes, uh, and I'm looking now, it looks like they're coming back at eight o'clock. So we've got some time before they um, come back to the floor. But yes, it's kind of a weird thing. It's not necessarily all that common. I've seen it happen before. Um, and I think it's mainly just to get everybody's input on it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much debate goes through. Um, just real quick to, to finish, but Bryce, to finish, to answer your question completely. Um, yeah. So now that, that language is in the bill now, and it, it becomes sort of a moot point if legalization happens, right? Because um, now we don't have people, now people from Texas can just come over to New Mexico and, and do that anyway. It's kind of a silly thing too, when you think not silly, it's just sort of uh, sort of hard to wrap your head around because the, the state was basically arguing, we, we have to limit the reciprocity because we have to keep this program intact and we don't want people crossing the border with um, cannabis, but now if we legalize it, they're probably going to be doing that anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, and, and, but that there's also, I've heard some, from some patients that say um, that they, or, or some people that wish that they could be medical cannabis patients here and they can't be. Um, and so they would have used that reciprocity or um, if, if you're a, a they, Texas does have a medical cannabis program, but it's essentially CBD and it has to be for, I think, only cancer or terminal illnesses. Is that, is that a sign that uh, it's more than just lip service when sponsors of the legalization bills talk about how we have to maintain and, and cultivate the medical program, even if we have a, a legal market? I think so. Um, I think most people that are involved in this know that they, they're going to have to really answer to some of these patients if they don't take care of the, the medical program. And yeah. look, it's, it would just be really bad if we're, if our state is on the news, like Illinois was, that, that medical cannabis supply was wiped out on, on day one. 
Um, so it's, it's just good for everybody to make sure that that's taken care of first. We yeah, talked just, about this on the show, Andy, but just a reminder, when we say can recreational versus medical cannabis, there's no difference in the product. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because there was a little <laughs> bit of, I felt uh, maybe some misinformation or confusion in one of the debates today where somebody asked what's the difference between the two. And uh, one of the, the sponsors started to go into, there's certain strains that are better for this and certain, which is all true. Uh, I think there's certain strains that probably do better things for, for better uh, conditions. Um, but when we're talking about supply, medical versus recreational, it's, it's really all the same. I think that the bigger concern is not that there, there's any sort of high THC content or certain strains that they're, um, they can't really regulate that. But what they can do is say, you have to have 10% of your supply for medical cannabis patients. And, and that's, uh, the prices are different because if yes, you're a medical yes. cannabis patient, you don't pay the taxes. And that's why on the floor too, for people who don't know, that's why the senators and representatives are talking about trying to protect the medical program with supply because it is the same supply. So you got to yes. make sure to keep that supply so people can have it for their medicinal uses, but also we can use it for um, selling recreationally adult in use. A, in a practical purpose, I'm sure that there's some producers that will say, we're going to grow certain strain for our medical patients and certain strains for this depending, but that's more of probably what their, their customers or patients are buying. But when, when the state says you have to devote so much to medical, they're not saying you have to devote this extra strong strength uh, or extra strong strain to medical patients. They're just saying, just kind of push some of that to the side. So that way, um, and, and really what that is, is so that if, if um, all of these dispensaries are just wiped out of recreational supply, that uh, patients still have this sort of reserve that they can go um, buy some with their card. You said misinformation. So I just got to put a plug in here because <laughs> In the part of the debate today, uh, some lawmakers kept asking, why are we doing this? You keep saying there's a poll that the majority of New Mexicans want this. It's like, my constituents don't want it. And like, I don't, I'm assuming, I don't know which one they're talking about, but the Albuquerque Journal's uh, research and polling did a poll for them last year, which is a very well-respected polling organization that found 73% uh, of New Mexicans likely voters of 18 to 49 did support this. So I just thought it was interesting because they're sort of equating a scientific poll with anecdotal feedback they're getting from their constituents. It's it's a bit misleading. I'm just gonna uh, and, say that. <laughs> and also the uh, rhetoric that you can overdose on marijuana and cannabis, that is just not true. You can go to the ER for taking too much of an edible and throwing up and whatever, but you cannot die from yeah, I think that's, inedible. that's very important to understand. There's some, there's some nuance that was talked about a much on the new, There's some nuance in some of that stuff, but let me go back to the whole thing real quick, Megan, because I, I will say to be fair to lawmakers, um, that the misunderstanding of how polls work is not limited to them. New Mexico. No, it's not at all. I'm just putting it as like as journalists, let us just talk for a minute yeah, about New Mexico, polls done right. Yeah, New Mexico <laughs> political report has commissioned some polls, and almost every time we do them. I see comments saying, well, no one called me. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's also uh, important to yeah. note that that polls are tough in a state like New Mexico because uh, we, we've seen this with COVID too, right? In terms of the shutdown where you have a county 
that is so remote um, that has one case, and yet the math that the governor's put in place for the the threshold uh, hasn't moved them up in in the different categories to open up. And so this is another example of what we saw play out in a lot of different legislation during the regular session between urban and rural uh, New Mexico. And you can't capsulate all that in any poll. Yeah, yeah and that's what um, uh, Representative Montoya and Representative Ream were, were talking about. I think that's what Megan's re referencing is they were asking questions of Representative Martinez and the Drug Policy Alliance of what what, what are the, you know, they didn't say what are the crosstabs, but they were just about there. You know, they're asking what are the demographics? Who did you pull? Yeah. Um, and then they came back with, well, I haven't, no one's called our office to say that they want this. So I well, I'm just, and I don't, I think DPA did, I don't know. They might be talking about a different poll, but I'll just say research and polling had a, a margin of error of less than 5%, which is very good. Look, I'm just going to be a stats geek for a minute and I'm not a stats geek, but I know enough about journalists should know these things. And they had a representative sample of age, gender, race, ethnicity, and region. And of course, it's not a survey, to your point, Kevin. It's supposed to be a representative sample. I'm just saying Brian Sanderoff in research polling generally does a pretty good job. It's just, it's not the same as like, well, I didn't hear that from my constituents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the numbers, maybe not a ton different, but I think the numbers from research and polling that the Journal Commission was a little bit lower than what the drug policy alliance came up with I, I i there was some poll and i'm losing track of all the different polls some some polls say that it's 74 percent, 75 percent. i think the journal poll was like 60 61 percent. so um if not a majority definitely plurality of, of new mexicans it definitely splits not only along party line as we saw today but age as we've seen at the federal level which natalie Fertig talked about when we talked about the whole kerfuffle in the biden administration at the federal level you know, these things tend to follow along age um, demarcations as well, so. I just think that getting back to the rural urban divide, we've heard it come up again, yeah. may, may before the night is done or tomorrow too, but um, one of the sticking points for a lot of these rural lawmakers is the uh, no opt-out, which was debated right. heavily during this session uh, and basically the de default answer to that on the part of uh, Representative Martinez and other supporters is that this is what law enforcement says because it creates a checkerboard problem of enforcement when you've got to figure out where you are on the map and what is going on here, what's legal, what's not. Uh, but it doesn't feel like that argument is done yet either. No. One thing that I've, I've heard before, um, and I don't remember who brought it up, but I haven't heard it come up in debate in the regular session or this special session, it's along the lines of the enforcement or, or the, the opt-out thing, the checkerboard effect, but it's the tax revenue, right? Because I think right now they've got 4% going back to municipalities. And I think, I haven't heard it, be, maybe it's not an issue that, that I've heard like it was before, but um, it seems like it would be a problem to try to, how do you distribute that tax revenue to the counties who have said, um, you know- opt out. Right. And I think and they don't I, want the business. Yeah, I'm sure most of those counties would, would say, fine, we don't want the revenue because we don't want the hassle with it. But on the on tax and revenue department side, I don't know if it's a troublesome thing to sort of parse out that thing instead of just say, we're going to give and I'm not apart from an accountant, but it seems like you kind of have to have things even out. Right. So if you're giving out you have projections to give out 4% to all the municipalities around the state, and then there's a few that don't, what, what happens to that money? Does the 6% mm -hmm. um, to the rest of them? I, I don't know. 
especially because, again, we don't have earmarks at this point, but we've heard what earmarks could be in the future, and there are broad things there just about substance abuse treatment, for instance. So mm -hmm. you can't say this county doesn't get substance abuse treatment money because they didn't participate in the program, it doesn't seem like. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, I think we'd all be happy if we had a crystal ball because I can't say for sure that there's, that everyone's going to be happy with this. Um, we've heard, you know, you hear different stories, right? You hear some people say, I've got a friend in Colorado and they said it's terrible. And then somebody else says, I've, I've got a sister in Colorado and everything's fine. Um, there's just a lot of, a lot of just confusion. I think last night I heard somebody um, debate whether uh, a, a, just a regular cannabis plant smells or not like, or has an odor. Um, so it's not something that's required uh, <laughs> knowledge for, for lawmakers, but um, I think if this passes and it becomes legal, we're just gonna have to, you know, sort of do a recap <laughs> five years from now and say, you know, how are, how's everything going? Cause um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just different stories depending on where you live. Well, all big legislation has unintended consequences. I mean, you could argue that going back to 2013 with the Breaking Bad bill and mm -hmm. whether those consequences were good or bad, which is open to interpretation. So, Well, I mean, a good example of that is um, the liquor license issue, right? Where um, decades and decades ago, they thought the best idea for us is to um, limit the number of licenses out there so we're not just a bunch of drunkards and, you know, drinking ourselves to death. And arguably, we still have a problem with alcohol. Yeah. But but we uh, still, but then at the same time, on the, the, there's uh, businesses that want to get into the liquor industry that absolutely can't because they don't have $500,000 to buy a license. And on a related right. note, it looks like uh, Melanie Stansberry will be the Democratic candidate for CD1. Lots of notes. On Twitter too. Of, lots wow, that's of interesting. She was, mm -hmm. uh, she came in second yesterday. Mm. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> Very interesting. She was she was pushing really hard today on social media that lots of endorsements from uh, committee members. So I'm, I'm not all that surprised. But speaking of sort of uh, miscellaneous news, it's not so miscellaneous. Um, the state Supreme Court issued an order earlier this week. I just saw it today saying that they will take up. I don't know if we've talked about it on here. This gross receipts tax issue for medical cannabis. Mm. Um so the proposal to legalize also has a provision that says medical cannabis will be exempt from gross receipts, um, but right now it is not. And there's a producer, Sacred Garden is the first one that filed uh, a request to refund their gross receipts uh, tax or, or a deduction for gross receipts tax. Because they claim their medicine. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and Tax and Revenue Department, TRD said, uh, no, because it's not a, a prescription. We only do that for prescriptions. And then uh, the lawyer for, for um, Sacred Garden said, well, it's technically a prescription, but we can't call it that because of federal law and all this other stuff. And so back and forth, a court of appeals panel said, uh, this is close enough to, to a prescription and the law states, law that passed 2019 says this shall be viewed as regular medicine. Um, and then the state challenged that ruling and took it to the Supreme Court. That was a year ago. Uh, uh, last year, and, and the Supreme Court has been sitting on it ever since. And I think producers that were hoping to get some of that money back have been nervous because I think it was the assumption that if legalization happens and then <clears throat> there's an effective date for gross receipts deductions that it may not apply previously, but so we'll see. And so now the Supreme Court, I think, is 
gonna start moving forward. Now the clock starts ticking uh, where they actually have a timeline of when they have to do stuff. So, and, so tonight HP2 might, might pass the Senate? Yes. Uh, I, I okay. mean, Maybe. Can you give me those numbers again, Megan? Did you did you see what how House Bill Two passed on the? Uh, let's see what the. Um, sorry, it was now it's way down because everyone's talking about Melanie Stanton. We'll, we'll kind of on a. On a uh, they were twenty three to nineteen to pass House approved cannabis legalization bill. It's a slim assume, margin. I would have to assume it would be the same number. I, mm. I don't know what would well, happen. Well, kind of on a related note, Jacob Candelaria just tweeted out that he's switching his vote and voting yes on House Bill 2 because uh, at the end, he said, uh, at the end of the day, I'm voting to end prohibition. I cannot bring myself to vote against cannabis justice. Representative Mo Maes has convinced me debate and discussion still matter in New Mexico legislature. Hmm. So we'll see if other legislators follow suit as but well, but... Debate starts again at eight o'clock and yes, there yes. is no time limit on set it. Yeah, no time limit that starts in 10 minutes. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, it'll be and again. It looks like Senate bill three, the, the competing is gone. So that's yep. why we might see some vote changes. Yep. Yes. Uh, my guess is, and this is what happened during this regular session is Republicans. I don't know if this was intentional, but um, Republicans voted for uh, the, the Republican version, that part was definitely intentional. Um, but the messaging that came out of that was, well, that one's bipartisan. This one, no Republicans voted for, so it's not bipartisan. So it will be interesting to see when there's no other option. They might just keep saying we had a bipartisan option, but you guys chose not to do it. Um, and yeah, I would not be surprised at all if, if uh, the vote stays pretty much the same on House Bill 2. What's interesting is apparently I caught this Senator Jerry Ortiz Pino was talking about this and someone tweeted about it saying he's worried about um, if there is not decriminalization at a federal level, it could hurt funding to UNM because they receive uh, funding for assisting in the agricultural cultivation of cannabis in New Mexico where they could. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear all those concerns uh, and I don't know this for sure, but I just, you know, I'm pretty sure most states have, uh, there's probably mm -hmm. states with legalized cannabis that also have an agricultural school um, that's sort of, I mean, going back to hemp, when it was back mm -hmm. in 2013 or 2014, um, when former President Obama put it into the farm bill, I think is what it was to, to legalize, can, uh, sorry, hemp, but it was on a sort of a very light legalization where they said, um, the agriculture department of your state can grow this for research purposes. And our agriculture department is directly tied to New Mexico State University. So it was New Mexico State University that was in charge of doing that. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't wanna to speculate too much, but you know, I, I think President Biden, obviously it, we've seen lots of news in the past few days, weeks that uh, you know, he's not backing down on his view of just decriminalization. But I also don't think that uh, I can't see him sending DOJ into a democratically controlled state to, you know, crack down on, oh. on some of those things. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'll... And so, um, Kevin, the expungement measure is on the way to the governor. Yes. That's what I see on Twitter. Yeah, that should be right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All and right. the House should vote on 
The full House should vote on Senate Bill 1, the LIDA mm-hmm. in Senate tonight, too. So there was scuttle earlier in the Senate talking about uh, maybe they get done tonight and don't have to come back in tomorrow unless there's something to react to on the House side. Hmm. Okay. Maybe we won't have to be back here. No. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, maybe not, long, maybe long not in the evening. So. <laughs> well, that, that leads a good point to, to wrap up here tonight. But yeah, we will be. Um, whoop. Hold on. <laughs> Got all kinds of things going on here. Um, we will be uh, continuing to provide updates here on going forward here on Facebook Live and through the podcast as long as the special session goes. Uh, so we'll be back at some point tomorrow. We'll see how things play out. But we want to do that to keep you up to date because it's just so uh, it comes at you fast, that uh, fire hose, as we talked about earlier. So we thank you for joining us for this growing forward special uh and again want to thank andy lyman and megan kamrick our co-hosts we want to point out that we collaborate on this with new mexico political report which is where andy works and he'll no doubt have all of this in a write-up in the morning for you as well thanks to bryce dix producer and editor and i'm kevin mcdonald executive producer here at New Mexico PBS. You can find Growing Forward on the podcast if that's where you get it, wherever you find your podcast. And while you're there, if you haven't already subscribed, do that. Ask a friend to do the same and then leave us a review. All of those things really help. But we will be back with you again tomorrow at some point. So thanks for tuning in.